Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. The people who have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as COPD or emphysema, have an increased risk of getting sick from coronavirus. And some of the very treatments that they need to help them to breathe better are also things that may cause some concern. Things like nebulizer machines, which might aerosolize viral particles in certain conditions. So today we're going to be talking with the head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, Valerie Chang. She is spearheading an upcoming conference coming up that's going to be an educational event for anybody who wants to know more information about this particular condition. It's been, uh, Val, has it been almost 10 years since you've done this conference? It's our 14th annual. 14th annual. There you go. A decade, almost a decade and a half. And we're going to talk a little bit about her experience with a new way to do support groups using Zoom. This is a new type of video chat portal that people can sign into. And it's really allowed folks to continue to participate in some of the some of the support group activities that really help folks. You know, it's great to help another person with some tips and tricks that you might have learned about different techniques on how to take care of your medical condition. And you've been one of the first groups that has started to do these using a video portal. So thanks for joining me today, Val. Well, we... thank you. And actually, one of the fun things about Zoom is on our last Zoom meeting, um, one of our members grows orchids. She is a master gardener, and she showed us around all the orchids that she's growing, including some black orchids. It was really cool. I think it's fabulous. The one thing, I'm addicted to gallery view. I'm addicted to watching all the other people in the Zoom conference and seeing what they're doing. And, like, you got a tour of someone who's a master orchid grower. You can't ask for anything better than that. Well, thank you for joining us today on air. We've talked a few months ago about how lung conditions can put people at an increased risk of developing the virus, and that certainly can make people quite concerned and exhibit quite a lot of fear about the situation as given their medical condition might be appropriate. So far, you've been staying at home. Is that right? Most of the time. Um, I do go to the grocery store. I pick up books on hold at the library when they tell me they're available and you make an appointment. And I am providing care for my mother who is 90 years old. So, so how do you keep yourself safe? Let's yeah, talk about we, those we, different we scenarios. Take turns amongst my family. So it's, it's, it works out pretty well. Um, and I think one thing that I just wanted to clarify is those of us with lung conditions aren't necessarily more likely to get COVID. It's just that if we do happen to get it, we're more likely to have more problems. That's well, that's definitely true. Me. You're right, because that's the concern. You know, we don't want to have people who have a lung condition develop serious consequences. And one of the prime symptoms is that people get a cough and in some cases their oxygen levels go down. And that's a significant concern, particularly for people who may already be struggling with oxygen. So Val, you've been diagnosed with COPD and you didn't really know. It was kind of a surprise when it all happened. How how bad was your lung function by the time it came to medical attention? It was about one-third of a healthy, normal person. 
Um, and has it stayed that way? Well, sometimes it's worse. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been pretty stable, which is very unusual. It has not really gotten a lot worse. Everybody loses a little bit of lung function as they, they grow and live um, from the time they're 18 or so. Everybody loses a little bit. And so I have been losing a little bit like a normal healthy person, not like somebody who is actively smoking or exposing my lungs to things that make you lose lung function at a much faster rate. So I'm still about one-third of a person my age, my height, my gender. So let's talk about the activities you mentioned that you were doing. You said you leave the house to go for groceries, that you do go to the library at a scheduled time and pick up books, and you take care of your elderly mother. So let's go one at a time. When you go to pick up groceries, what sorts of things are you doing to keep yourself safe? Well, when I can, we go during the Kapuna hour at Costco, and I go around 9.15 so that I don't have to stand in line because all the people that were standing in line are already admitted. And then I rush in, do my shopping, and rush out before 10 o'clock. Okay. I, I try to only do that either once a week or a few times a month. So you're limiting the hours. You're yeah. also limiting how often. Or what type of protective equipment are you wearing when you go? Are you wearing a mask? Of course. Actually, You are required to wear a mask unless there is a medical reason that you cannot. And actually, I have met very few patients that absolutely cannot wear a mask at all. Even people on oxygen are wearing a mask to protect themselves and those around them. Um, It's just you have to really limit the time that you're wearing it. And I can barely wear it for much more than, you know, the half an hour to an hour that I need to wear to, to go shopping. And if I, at, when it comes to the point when I can't wear it that long, I will do what some of the other patients are doing, which is you order your groceries and have them delivered. And on our website, the hawaiicopd.org website, There is a free organization that provides free delivery service. It's a nonprofit. Help is on the way. And I think that that's an awesome, probably underutilized service. Well, it sounds like for those people, like you said, who really can't tolerate getting out or for whom that might just be something beyond their lung capacity or ability, there are some ways that they could get food delivered, which I think is ideal, particularly groceries. You can make some healthy selections and cook some food at home, and that really does lend itself to ways in which people can get creative and to do that. So you mentioned that that's some of the stuff that you would do if you go to Costco or to a food store. What sort of precautions are you taking when you go to the library? You mentioned that you will arrange to have some books available and they will set up a time. And how does that work out for you? Yeah, I usually try to make the first appointment anywhere in the morning because I figured the air is cleaner. Okay. (laughs) First thing in the morning. And you go during your scheduled time, you wear your mask. The library employee is wearing their mask. Um, and they have a plastic barrier, and they slip the books to you when you present your library card. And if you have to pay, like, because you're renting a video, you 
pass them dollar, and that's it. And there's very little contact, and then you have a hand sanitizer to sanitize your hands when you're done. It's fairly minimal contact, and you remain outdoors. They're in the library, and they just, you know, the 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 desk to the library, the table to the library is right by the entrance, so you don't even enter the library. So when you stay outdoors, I think that that's safer for all of us. And fortunately, Hawaii has such mild climate that we really can stay outdoors most of the time. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue talking with Valerie Chang, head of the Hawaii COPD Coalition, about some other ways. What if you're taking care of an elderly family member? And how can you, if you have medical conditions yourself, help keep them protected and yourself as well? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, locations, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio, and I have Valerie Chang on the line. She's from the Hawaii COPD Coalition. They're about to have their 14th annual COPD conference coming up in about a week and a half or so. And this is an opportunity for people to learn more about the condition, meet other people who may have it, and have some interesting opportunities to interact with some folks who will be speakers and learn about how do you know the difference between when you might have an exacerbation of your medical condition versus when it might be coronavirus. So right before the break, we were talking about value schedule. You go out, you go grocery shopping, you're careful with what time you go, you're careful with how often you go. You do get to get some books from the library, sanitize your hands before and after you touch anything. And you mentioned being outside. We do know that there is less of a risk with the sunlight if you're outside, that it can actually help to protect people from getting exposed and or infected with coronavirus. A lot of different viruses are somewhat inactivated in the presence of UV light. So that's definitely better than being in an enclosed space most of the time. And you mentioned at the top of the show that you take care of your 94-year-old mother. No, she's 90. Oh, she's 90. Don't age her. She'll be 91 in September, actually. Well, she would not want to be another year older unless she had to. So let's (laughs) talk about her as a 90-year-old. What are you able to do for her, given the fact that you have a lung condition and you want to definitely limit your exposure to her if you were sick, but also limit the exposure if she were sick. So what sort of precautions are you taking in that situation? Well, we do a lot inside of our house and then outside of my house. I go and pick her up from my sister's house. We basically keep her in one of our houses, um, myself, my sister, on, and my siblings. And then we also walk around our neighborhoods that are where everyone stays way more than six feet apart. And um, we have been finding a lot of really amazing videos online. Um, some are on YouTube. A lot of them are on Netflix and um, Amazon Prime, and they're free. And there are things like, you know, balance for seniors and uh, strength and flexibility and just a lot of videos so that you can mix it up and, you know, do things that help 
provide strength and stamina, which is really crucial and balance because that's one of the main problems for seniors is they fall. And we want to keep Ram as strong and healthy and independent as possible. So you're doing some of these videos to help her. I bet at the same time as you're working on some of these exercises for mom, it's improving balance for all of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And actually, my daughter does it with us and we make it, you know, fun. We all do it together and we say, oh, do we want to watch this one or this one? And, you know, we we put chairs around and we all do it together. And, you know, moving the body is important for everyone because it's use it or lose it. And we know that a lot of people are very concerned about keeping their conditioning. And, you know, there's a wealth of exercises. And in fact, on our education day, we have the privilege of having a speaker that's going to be demonstrating some exercises, breathing exercises, Tai Chi, Chi Kung. Um, on our education day on September 11th. So I'm very excited about that. Her name is Sally Lee. All right. We'll talk more about the fun stuff you have planned at that event. You mentioned something I want to pick up on, and you said even with family members, you guys do try and stay about six feet apart. And I think that's important because you're talking about multiple households. You know, so to limit your exposure as somebody with a lung condition, you want to make sure that you're able to keep the social distance from people who might have a different threshold for exposure, and it may not affect them as much if they were to get this particular infection. So do you think that that's a realistic thing for folks who have that ability, if they're meeting up with an elderly parent or another relative to try and stick to the wear mask and six feet apart, you found it's something you could do? challenging because some of my siblings are healthcare professionals and we try um, with varying degrees of success but yeah it is something that we do keep in the back of our mind and try as best we can while also trying to provide the care and the stimulation we'd like to give mom. Well and I think the other thing that you mentioned which bears reminding is that, you know, we talk about physical activity, trying to keep people with some level of exercise as much as they can tolerate. And with some of the parks being closed or the beaches being closed, you know, there's a limited access for people to their usual areas. But sometimes people don't realize that even doing a breathing routine, even doing deep breathing and doing things that'll help to expand your lung function is also important. Even if you can't get outside, doing some of those just plain breathing exercises can help help keep, particularly if you have a lung condition, can help keep your lungs in shape as well. Yeah, and walking around the neighborhood. I mean, there's really no reason most people can't walk around their neighborhood unless it's, you know, a dangerous area or something. And I think that that's a good thing. And that's outdoors. And there's a lot of ventilation, so they don't have to worry about that so much. And People are very friendly. You wave at them, they wave at you, and you just keep going. (laughs) 
Well, and I think for those folks who live on a hill or somewhere where they don't have that access, I always say, find a neighborhood that you like and walk around that neighborhood. You know, as long as you're keeping your social distancing and you're really trying to make sure that you're getting your physical activity, there's still every reason to think that you could go on a walk if you need a flat location. You could go somewhere that's flat. If you need the challenge of a hill, you could go somewhere that has a hill. Just keep in mind your own abilities and and that's another opportunity that people have. Now, yeah, and, you mentioned and, breathing exercises are really important and really good for folks because, you know, we use a lot of muscles when we're doing our deep breathing. People don't necessarily associate deep breathing with, you know, a lot of physical activity, but there's a lot of muscles in the chest, in between the ribs, the whole accessory muscles of all of your breathing that your diaphragm is a muscle, all of those things that we want people to be able to use to help to keep their lung function going. Do you find that when people that you talk with who have been diagnosed with emphysema or COPD, do you find they have trouble keeping their lungs as active and healthy even in their daily routine? It really varies. Those of us that really make an effort, um, I have a friend she was told by her doctor she was pretty much uh, not going to live much longer unless she made radical changes to her life. So she said, okay, I'm good. I'm going to lose 100 pounds, which she did, and she kept it off, and I'm going to exercise like heck. And she got off oxygen. She was on oxygen for eight months. She got off oxygen, and she is now almost 20 years from the date the doctor told her, yeah, she probably wouldn't live much longer. So the way we decide to take charge of our life and exercise using the pulse oximeter to make sure we stay in a safe range above 90% or whatever our doctor says, and, you know, just figure out what our limits are and try to get pushed up against them so that we kind of expand instead of contract our abilities, I think that that makes us as strong as we can be. You mentioned the pulse oximeter. That's an interesting device that people often don't understand what it measures. That's a little device you can use to put on a fingertip, or some people put it on an earlobe, I suppose, and it gives you a measure of the oxygen levels in your blood. What's a normal range? Um, for people at sea level, a normal range is between 95 and 100. But for people with um, people at altitude, it would be 90 to 95. But people with uh, lung disease might be lower. But if you have 88 or below, you qualify for supplemental oxygen under Medicare and most insurance guidelines, and. People are afraid of supplemental oxygen, but we keep trying to tell people that it's like the fuel in your gas, your gas tank or your car, and if you don't have fuel, you won't really get very far. And the problem with not using oxygen when your body needs it is you start depriving your organs and your brain of it, and then you have all kinds of health problems, and nobody really needs that. That's very true. We're going to talk more about what we do need, and that's a lot of education about emphysema and ways that we can protect one another. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what was it like to have a support group using Zoom platforms and video conferencing. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. We'll be right back with Val Chang from Hawaii COPD Coalition. Stay right there.
Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I've got Valerie Chang on the line. She is from the Hawaii COPD Coalition, and we're talking today about what are some of the modifications that people might need to make if they're going out and about and they have a diagnosis of COPD or emphysema. This is something that affects the ability of the lungs to function well. And for those people who do get exposed to coronavirus, having a pre-existing lung condition can make it more difficult for your body to recover. There's a couple of things we've learned over the last several months about people at a greater risk of requiring being in the hospital or even being put on a ventilator related to coronavirus. And one of the things we know is pre-existing medical conditions including lung conditions and age, are things that do put people at a greater risk. So right before the break, we were talking a little bit about trying to improve breathing exercises and doing deep breathing and finding ways to measure oxygen levels and how not to fear the use of oxygen. It can be life-saving for a lot of medical conditions, in particular COPD. Now, I'm curious, Val, your group started early on to do support group lessons or or events in person for many years. And you kind of had to make a real quick transition to doing this using a video platform. I know it's been difficult for a lot of providers, uh, physicians and nurse practitioners and physician assistants and physical therapists to learn telemedicine kind of overnight as we all changed everything in March. But you also had to learn how to do support groups overnight. How did that go? Well, it's gone surprisingly well. Um, Patients were a little, some of them were a little nervous about it, but once they realized you can use your smartphone, which most of them have, or your computer or pretty much any electronic device, it became a lot less intimidating. And personally, I find that Zoom is one of the more intuitive um, platforms for watching webinars or interacting with people. And in fact, I participated in a baby shower for my niece who's in San Francisco for, and we had people all over the country that were all on that same Zoom uh, baby shower. It kind of lends itself to attending meetings in places you couldn't physically go. I know I had one patient a few months ago who told me that she was very heavily involved in AA, and she decided to start going to AA meetings around the world. And she was like, I'm going to go to an AA meeting in Amsterdam. And she learned how to do international dialing. And I mean, she just really just impressed me because she learned more about how to connect with Zoom internationally without charging and paying long distance than I still don't know. So it really does lend itself to this group collaboration in a way that may not have been possible before. Now, upcoming in the next week and a half or so is going to be the 14th annual conference event. That's going to be over a Zoom platform as well. Is that right? That's correct. And because it's a lot less noisy if we just have the speakers speak and people type in the responses, I have indicated to people that nobody else needs to have a microphone or a camera for this particular event. For the support groups, of course, it's really helpful if people have a microphone so we can talk. And 
people like the video so we can see one another and share orchids or whatever people want to share. And I can actually share videos while we're watching Zoom so that everyone can see the same video at the same time, which is a really cool option. And that way we can share some resources that are, you know, nationally renowned instead of everybody recreating everything. So what are some of the topics that might be covered at the event? Um, One of them is they're going to talk about how to distinguish between a COPD flare-up or an exacerbation versus a COVID um, infection and, you know, how to deal with that. And we're also going to talk about one of the newer treatments that have arisen for COPD, um, which is using a nebulizer and how to use nebulizers as safely as possible and, you know, what to do about masks and how to make sure you're getting enough oxygen while you are using masks or and or face shields and some resources that people can use to help learn more about COVID and COPD so that people can refer to them at their leisure. And sometimes it's helpful to review it several times. And so far, we do have a lot of healthcare professionals registered. So I think a lot of them are wanting to share the information they learn with their patients. One of the ways that I think this conference has really been able to do such a great job with educating the public is that it also has people talk about what it's like to live with the condition themselves. And as we talked earlier in the show tonight, how do you handle it when you go to the grocery store or when you're dealing with interacting with family or to manage your own exercise needs despite having these other serious conditions that could impact your potential recovery should you get exposed? Are there going to be folks sharing their story, a little bit of personal firsthand information? There will be a little bit of that, but probably not that much. We are going to try to keep everything very short, and we will be having, like I said, the expert that is a qigong and tai chi expert, and she's going to demonstrate and lead us through some deep breathing exercises as well as some physical conditioning exercises. And then we're going to have... Mike Bianchi, who helped redesign our website so that it's more user-friendly, and he's going to entertain any questions and suggestions on ways that he can make it even better so that it's more user-friendly for everyone. Well, I've always wanted to say, why don't they put that over there? And how come they don't do this in this location? So that's a great opportunity for folks to really share their experience with using technology, websites, et cetera, and how they can better navigate something that is set up to make it easy. And sometimes what one person thinks is easy is not really that easy to the user. So that's another great experience. We'll also talk a little bit about telemedicine. What's it like? You know, I think we're going to, I'm going to help you out with this conference and we're going to talk a little bit about what, what are things that make a telemedicine visit the most successful and productive? Because that's something that having done this now for a few months, we've sort of all learned on the fly and now are perfecting a bit more. And, you know, Val, I think you would probably agree the idea of seeing your provider on video or even just doing phone visits has kind of changed 
the the field of providing medical care and it allows folks to do things at home and not necessarily have to come into the doctor's office, not just because of coronavirus, although that is something that we do have to be concerned about, but also just because it's sometimes difficult when you have maybe a bad day with your COPD that makes it harder for you to get up, get around and get to an office. Well, I think it's actually more respectful of everyone's time as well. You know, it takes time to get to the doctor's office and it takes time for the doctor to, you know, figure out which patient they're seeing at one time. And I think it can be a lot more efficient, especially when patients are flying in from neighbor islands or other locations, to be able to have telemedicine as one more tool. Well, from from your mouth to everybody else's ears, let's hope that it continues to be a well-utilized and reimbursed service here from all different payers. I think that would be ideal. Valerie, I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today here on The Body Show. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app, and you can throw into your favorite search engine, Hawaii COPD Coalition, and find links to their website as well. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Kathleen Kozak. See you next week right here on The Body Show. Mm-hmm.